Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jeremy Marriott. Today's guest is one of Australia's fastest-growing contemporary artists. After studying mechanical engineering at university, she then embarked on a decade-long career in the video game industry, culminating in her leading a project that won the Best Australian Video Game 2015. Having started painting early in 2000s, she then went on to host her own solo gallery in Sydney. She also hosted the highest crowdfunded painting project in the world and holds the record as Australia's highest crowdfunded artist of all time. She's a deep space artist. She sold paintings to the likes of Elon Musk. I'd like to welcome to the show, Kat Machen. Okay. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Kat Machen. How are hey, you? how's it going? I'm good. I'm good. Wow. So um, I've been following you a bit on Instagram um, for the stuff you're doing, but if you could just let our listeners know um, a little bit about yourself and <clears throat> what you do. Oh, um, well, I'm a deep space artist. Um, I make glow-in-the-dark space art to connect people back to the universe. Um, mm. But originally... Used to be a video game developer and studied as an engineer with my training. So, wow. So yeah, what engineering uh, were you doing? I was doing mechanical with a specialization in thermofluids. Um, really quite dull. <laughs> Sorry to all the mech engines out there, but yeah, it was just, I remember my first lecture, it was like, okay, so uh, you think you're doing an engineering degree, but the mechanics is maths. The uh, dynamics is maths. The thermofluids is maths. Basically, you're doing a maths degree, and I was like, Fuck. "Oh, great!" <laughs> and then you said you were a video game designer. Um, yeah, so I went. I started as um, I did like a. I was like a special effect. I did. I made special effects and rigged characters. So, mm. um, you get like a in games, you get like a three D mesh, and then like some like virtual bones and you attach the mesh to the bones and then you can animate the bones and then, oh. yeah. So, you're so that's where like I started. NPCs and stuff like that. Right. All, all characters, playable all characters, characters non-play. Yeah. So uh, robots and aliens. And, um, and then I ended up as an executive producer and that's where I got my stripes managing big teams. You any, know. any big games we'd know? I did a lot of work on Warhammer. Uh, it was both my first game and then 40K was the last game. It, started, it bookended my career. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a great IP to work on, but God, ooh, that was a stressful, hectic stressful. Yeah. Was that, was that in Australia or was that overseas? Um, so initially the, the first Warhammer game I worked on was in the UK, but the, mm. the last one was in, um, was in Australia. Mm. Yeah. So you went from being very uh, like analytical to more of a creative job. I feel I feel like I was always creative. I <laughs> sounds going to sound really stupid. I I did an engineering degree to be rebellious against art. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is actually the truth. I was always told. Um, by my parents that, um, you know, like, you're the whole trope, get a real job, artists, you know, you yeah, don't really make any money. You know, yeah. Right. Um, I, I think a lot of us are told that stuff. So I, uh, I actively tried to, to avoid being an artist. I think also, you know, my, I have a brother and sister older than me and I love them I, and my parents love them, but they would always complain to me 
uh, about the fact that they would always ask for money. And they're eight and 10 years older, respectively. So I was too young to really ask for anything. Mm-hmm. But I, I made that decision really early on in my life that I didn't, I, I wanted to be solely self-sufficient. So in my head, like doing art, it not being, um, you know, something that is, you know, you can be successful at. Uh, I was like, well, those things do not compute. What is that? That is a fly. <laughs> just Welcome to Australia. In. Welcome to Australia. I'm like, yeah, little mate just flopping around. But so um, you've been doing the space art now for, for how many Four and years? a half years. Four and a half years. I, I couldn't paint before. Well, I did bits and bobs at school, um, but I, I was not, I was not an artist. I, I, in fact, actually it was two years into my career before I started calling myself an artist. I had such a hang up and like, even now, sometimes I try and tell people I'm an artist and I feel myself roll my own eyes like, Oh God, <laughs> why is that? Um, but realistically, all I mean, if you, if you boil it down, like I, I create artifacts that hopefully inspire people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, it's core, it's a manufacturing job, really. Um, it's a very creative one, of course. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I can say it like that. <laughs> Because you don't want to call yourself an artist. He's like, I'm, a, I'm in manufacturing. I'm in a creative manufacturing. I make a color, color, colored, highly colored manufacturing items. <laughs> but um, this, is, this is your purpose now, isn't it? Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's amazing. I mean, not specifically the art per se. I think that's just a, a vehicle for it. But for me, it's just connecting people back to the cosmos. Um, this is so uh, I've always been fascinated by the universe mm-hmm. and you know, this is there's two or three really big major issues going on in the world out outside of all the other ones. But you know, a lot of people feeling very dissatisfied in their lives uh, are feeling, um, you know, they, they don't feel like they're working with purpose or all of that stuff. Like yeah. people are stuck in this mundane drudge and like right now, in every single direction, almost infinitely spanning is a universe and there are black holes ripping apart stars right as we're having this conversation and these Mm -hmm. incredible, incredible things are out there. And we get very, we get very stuck in the four walls that we exist in and our day-to-day basis, our our work environments, our our vehicles, our, our homes. And we forget that out there is a whole damn universe. It's amazing. So, um, I like to paint these pieces because I think it gives people a sense of perspective about life. It's you, you look at a picture of space and for that moment, you're sort of transported away from being in this like mundane drudge and you're back out there in the cosmos. Cause ultimately that's all like, there isn't really anything such as outer space. We're all in space. Like this is space right now. It's just a part that we're very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that side of things. And then the other side is that um, people don't really tend to think about the cosmos a lot because we don't have access to it anymore. Um, by that, I mean, um, you know, the, it was probably only 100, maybe 150 years ago that everybody could see the Milky Way. You know, you see those photos on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and you see the big sweeping, like big... Yep splash of stars the milky way i mean we forget that 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 strip is a whole galaxy really close to us side on like if you think about that that's mad it's an actual it's a whole galaxy that we're looking at because we're on the very edge looking into the center and 
fortunately in the Australia, we get more of the galactic core than anywhere than in the Northern hemisphere. Um, but yeah, so we're living in massive amounts of light pollution. So um, every year the night skies get brighter and brighter as, you know, as technology comes in, as population expands and the more lights there are at night, the less you can see the stars. And it's so bad, in fact, that now in 99% of people in the US and Europe and 80, I think it's 83 or 87% globally now live in light, light pollution. And the majority of people can see maybe less than 2% of the stars in the sky wow. because, um, you know, so we, we're going to, I mean, even now it's happening. I, I did a poll on my Twitter um, just a couple of days ago and uh, it turns out that like 50, 58%, 59% of people had never seen the Milky Way. That's that, crazy. That that blows my mind because you don't need special filters or anything like you should be able to see it with your own eyes. Yeah, you don't the need a telescope you, at all. Don't, you mm-hmm. don't need special camera, don't you can't telescope, none of that. You should be able to see it with your eyes. And the fact that you can't means that you're living in light pollution really bad. And and like we don't even notice it on a day-to-day basis that the stars are being stolen from us and our kids are going to grow up and if nev- we'll, they will live and die and have never seen the stars properly. How heartbreaking. And, That's um, like the, um, that reminds me the first time I was going into the outback and I took my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time out there, and I just stopped mm. on the side of the road and got out of the car. She got out of the car to talk to me and I said, Maria, just look up. And she looked up and she was amazed because she'd never seen it. It was that bright that you could, and it wasn't a full moon. It was, it was yeah. that bright from the stars. You could walk around it's, without running into anything. Yeah, you know? it's incredible. And, and it's like I say, like when you go into the outback and you or anywhere dark, um, it's it's like the stars are so bright they could pierce your soul. Uh, mm. Like I, cut, there is no words I could put to it for how insanely, insanely beautiful it is. And people that live in cities or even even now like suburbs or like small villages, even like semi-rural. I still have no clue how incredible it is. Like, I feel like it should be something that everyone does at least once in their life is go and see the stars properly. Somewhere really dark. Do you think people have lost that connection because life's so busy now? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and, um, it's, uh, I think it's important to have moments to slow down. I, I mean, not just because when you slow down, you can start to process things better, but, you know, looking up at the stars, it's like all the great philosophers were also astronomers. There's no, there's no mistaking why that is because there's no way you can look up at just the immensity and the beauty of it and not be like in awe so much so that you come up with these great philosophies about life. So, um, you know, and I feel like the whole of human evolution, we've been sitting sitting around campfires telling stories about where we came from mm. that's good it's so good to see your passion under the you know under this massive veil of stars and yeah i just i dig it man <laughs> your <laughs> eyes light guessed. up straight away <laughs> i love it I, I live for it and and yeah i just i think it's a bit it's just the thing is like we i remember like when i was in university i did not think about the fact that that I couldn't even see the stars. Like on a day-to-day basis, you don't think about the fact that you can't see this thing that should be there for everyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hectic. How did you come up? How did you? How did you find your purpose? Like, how did you? 
did you stumble across this one day or did you have a life-changing event? I know there's some like birth of a child or yeah. near-death experience. Um, yeah, I, I would say it's a near-death experience, but like not in the typical sense. I definitely went to Peru and did a lot of ayahuasca and then was blasted out into the cosmos. And um, I mean, I was kind of quite deeply interested in space, but space is kind of one of those things you're interested in as a kid. And then at some point you have to grow up and do grown-up stuff like, you know, get a job. Do some, yeah, engineering stuff. <laughs> and, and um, you know, it's something you just don't think about on a day-to-day basis because it's not, um, it's, it's funny because it's not essential for life. You can live without it. But it, for me, it is, becomes very purposeful. Like why live a life without any beauty in it? Um, so that's why I want to chase it down. Oh, yeah, I had, um, I had James Colson on. We went deep into he, his experimentation with shamanic medicines nice how was your experience yeah look i mean it's uh, definitely not something that you would do recreationally um Mm -hmm. uh, and that's for sure but i'll tell you what it's probably one of the most life-changing things i've ever done i mean there's been like a series of different different very life-changing things but that was i think leaving the games industry and having a massive nervous breakdown, going straight into an ayahuasca retreat. I'll be honest, I was like, you've seen that meme of like a dog in a burning house and he's sitting with her with a cup of tea and he just yeah. says, I'm fine. Yeah, everything's good. <laughs> I, that, that was me. I was like, I was like, yeah, do you know what I mean? I work in 16 hour days. I never get to see my partner at the t- who was, who was my uh, fiance at the time. Um, uh, I, like I never, you know, I never get to see at the time I was like, I never get to see anyone. I, I don't have any life. I, I can't even eat, go to the shops and buy food. Cause I'm working seven days a week. My life is fine. You know, and we were, we're always in this guise that our life is fine. <laughs> and it's like, it's actually not. Yeah. We're just um, masters at uh, lying to ourselves like, I don't know how many times, you know, we, we do it all the time. And then when you do make the breakthrough, you're like, why did I, why did I lie to myself about how good things were? Cause they clearly weren't. Yeah. <laughs> like, or, or people are the other way. They think that their life is terrible when it's actually terrible, yeah. very good. You know, I was, yeah. one of, I was one of those. I was like, life right. is rubbish. Life sucks. And then I'm like, well, you know, I've got so much to be grateful for. Oh, 100%. So of course, like it's about, as with everything, right? It's meant to be a balance. Um, uh, but yeah, it's just, so there was that, you know, that, that really started my job, my path, because for me, there was no going back. I yeah. got to a point of being an executive producer and I couldn't, I'd spent 10 years building this career that I could never go back into. Mm. I couldn't go back because I'd be overqualified for every single position. Yep. So yep. now I was like, well, what is there for me? I, I, just, I feel like I'd, I couldn't go back because I couldn't deal with it. Like, I've never been a person that's necessarily, I would say, suffered from depression. But I can tell you what, it was a struggle to get out of bed. I, mm. like, I, felt, I felt like I had to muster every little ounce of strength in myself just to do it. And I had to do it over and over and over and over again. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, nah. <laughs> so when I when I finished that, we finished the a PC version of the game, and they said, oh, "Right, straight onto mobile." And I was like, "See you later." Well, I'm out. 
peace. <laughs> um, was that a culture thing or, or, or just it wasn't your thing now you'd had enough? Or... Oh, man, I was sleeping under my desk some days. Um, oh, wow. So, like, so how video games works um, is that you you have to book all of your... And I was ahead of... The, I was, like, the, the lead of the project. I was leading the whole thing. Um, so what happens is you look at your game, you go, all right, it'll be about... I'd say it'll be done in about nine months. So you, you set a, a launch date in nine months time. Uh, and the reason why you have to do that is you have to book all of your magazines and all the print mm-hmm. media, which they need nine months. So you yep. book all of that, you pay tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars to get all of that. Yep. And then all of a sudden there's a driver update. Uh, Windows has had an update. This Steam platform has had an update everything breaks, yep. nothing works, you're on fire, everything's on fire, and you're now working 16-hour days, seven days a week for three months to try and, for the, you know, to, and that's what we call crunch period. Anyone that works in games will tell you all about crunch. It is ridiculous. Um, and I was just like, no way am I ever going to put myself through this again. Yeah. I like, I, Especially I not to I give was, you a big break afterwards to get you to go straight into another project you know another platform wow yeah i was like uh no uh which is great to be honest like thank god that happened because ima- yeah. imagine i couldn't imagine not doing what i'm doing now so very very insanely grateful and, and all of the goodness that came from that because the beauty of having a massive nervous breakdown and i mean i joke about it if i ever do a stage talk but i feel like everyone should do have one massive nervous breakdown at mm. some point because it's a good clear line in the sand. It's like, this is it. I can't go back. Yeah. I gotta move I gotta move forward. There's no way I can return to where I where I was at. This is this is it. It's over. And that is a refresh point. It's like, you know, I can't remember what was it, that that military story where they would they would go and invade an island and they would pull up to the island and then they would burn the boats because you can't go back. Yeah, I, like that. I think that that was when they came to America. Right. Oh, but it's a lie, by the way. I think it's it's one of those things. Urban legend. I think it not, was, not yeah. But anyway, um, if they but, didn't burn the boats. But I bet my, I bet my boat. <laughs> I was like, I'm out. And then I was like, I don't know what to do with myself. Started a cleaning company, scrubbed toilets for a bit. Because I had no idea. And... Mm. Um, I worked as a waitress at less than minimum wage. I don't even know how that was possible, but there you go. I'd I'd not worked for that amount even when I was at uni, but Mm. I was just like, I just know what to do with myself. And I made a news resolution to start painting. Because I'd been on this ayahuasca retreat and and I think I felt a pang of jealousy. I was like, wow. Um, Um, you know i i really want to paint i remember yeah and then lo and behold here i am now <laughs> so you didn't have any formal training for, uh, for, no. for painting oh look i did a bit at school and uh sixth form college or whatever yeah i did like a tiny bit i did an art a level didn't do very didn't do very well i think 
I think I got a C or something. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because like you can learn, you can teach yourself. We've got YouTube. That's what uh, YouTube's for. So who, who mostly did you follow? Oh, Bob sure. Ross. Is that the guy with the with the with the afro? Yeah, yeah. You always see the memes done. Oh, okay. Right, he's amazing. Good old Bob Ross. Um, yeah, so I, that's how I started. And honestly, everybody asks me like, I really want to learn how to paint. How do I start? And I'm like, Can you teach me, cat? And I'm like, You don't even need to learn from me. Learn how I learned. Go and watch mm. some Bob Ross tutorials. They are free online. You can buy a painting setup for twenty bucks. You can buy a ten dollar paint set. You can buy a few canvas boards. You can buy a $1 drop sheet and a bunch of like house painting brushes from Bonnings um, or from whatever department store uh, is in your country. And like, that is like my first painting setup was 20 bucks. Like now I, my tubes of individual tubes of paint aren't even 20 bucks. They're like hundreds. So you don't, you don't have to start bougie. You can start basic and that's how, that's how I started. And, I was just in a little corner of my house and I did a little bit of painting and first ones are pretty rubbish, I'll be honest. What, <laughs> was, your, what was your first painting? I wonder, I wonder if I've got it here. What, the very, very first? Yeah. Was it a watercolour? Oh, no, no, no. Always oil. Oil. Wow. Everything is in oil. Yeah. So, yeah. And, um, but what was it of? Was it, was it of space or was it the classic it fruit like, bowl or...? No, it was it was uh, it was like uh, some clouds with like almost like bursts of rainbow coming from behind them, and nice. um, so it was and it was on a black canvas, so it looked kind of spacey. It looked it looked almost exactly like what I paint now, but just not as good. <laughs> uh, I was just instantly attracted to that stuff, and yeah, so I I I've never. I have painted other stuff like mm. uh, someone, someone hired me to paint a dragon. I've painted portraits and stuff like that, but I just, I'm not, for me, it just means nothing. It means yep. it's like most pointless thing. Like I want to communicate how insane the universe is. So. It's same as artists never do as good a job on commission work anyway. Like with my videographer, yeah. he goes, what do you want? And I'm like, mate, you're the creative. You just, do what you want and his video his video and we tried him where i've said what i wanted and his videos always come out 10 times better, better. yeah um, well almost all my paintings are commissions actually funnily enough oh, but really? yeah almost every single one you see is um uh, and the way that i do it is that they give me a bunch of ideas and then i create a digital version of the painting oh, so first. they don't give you a photo no no i don't okay. paint i like i like we cre- we sort of work together as a collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. It's great. Um, but look, it is a challenge. It is a challenge. And some days I'm like, I don't want to do it. And I, I, I have gone through three or four months where I haven't painted at all. And I realized that, that and it, this is such, like what I've learned about procrastination is so, so valuable. Yeah. Um, you know, there are two different forces for procrastination for any task. The mm. force that's pulling you towards doing it, as in the the inspiration, having a good purpose, having a good reason to do it, and the one that pulls you away from it, which might be the fear of failure or the fear of being rejected or the fear of it not actually turning out as good as you want. So you avoid doing it so you never actually have to find out for real if you're no good. Yeah, that's definitely fear. Uh, 
yeah and and it, it's really about those two opposing forces and then of course what happens is you get too close to the deadline and then the fear really kicks up <laughs> but it's like a fear of like not wanting to to let someone down subtle like the opposite force that sort of pulls you forward to actually get you doing it so um yeah it's uh it's a it's a balance and I, it, it's something that i realized that initially i was putting so much the first two years was really easy and then my, my problem was everyone started to call me you know refer to me as like the best space artist in the world and um then i, I it's not necessarily that it went to my head but it was mm. like I had all that pressure on my shoulders. Now I, I was like, fuck it, I've got to perform really good. It's like, I, I, in my head, I was like, God, I can't even make mistakes anymore because people, oh, you know, yeah. it's going to... Um, but the truth is that actually I needed to get rid of that idea entirely and just not be bothered about the outcome. I'm not... And I know this sounds weird, but I can't be bothered about my outcome. I can't be bothered about how my paintings turn out like the future doesn't belong to me the future just however it happens the now is all i have to remember mm. so i don't have to worry about oh is it going to be the best painting like i will do the best i can but i do it by being in the moment and doing the steps in the moment rather than focusing on you know that future aspect and i know that a lot of us a lot of us do that. People do it with all sorts of things, not just like work. They do it with like love. You know, they, yep. they never go out and try and find a partner because deep down they might feel unlovable or that no one would like them. And rather than finding that out, they might do some other destructive habit like, you know, gamble or drink because then they can say, oh, it's the gambling people don't yep. like. It's not, not that it's not me. You know what I mean? And I think that's it's very common. We, the, th the things that we procrastinate on, it's always, there's always some sort of bigger, it's, n it's never the task. We think it's the task. We think it's like a poor time management or it's, ne it's none of that. It's, it's like it's caused by some greater issue or some, some deeper, deeper pain or anxiety or fear. Yeah. Sounds like you may have read some, some Eckhart Tolle. I definitely read Books. a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I'm halfway yeah, through one at the moment now called The Power of Now. Beautiful book. I um as heavy as he heavy as fuck. But his <laughs> voice his voice will put you to sleep on the on the audible, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I was I, I was listening to the audible as I was walking the dog and I was like I was like having these existential moments of staring up into the sky with dogs like trying to pull me towards a tree for a sniff, you know. <laughs> And I love what Eckhart Tolle talks about in that book, which is, you know, there's three key states. If you're dissatisfied, you either accept where you're at, mm -hmm. you either change where you're at or you move away. So you either change the situation or you yeah. move away from the situation. Anything other than those three is total madness in his idea, you know, cause you're just punishing yourself. And then if you don't want to accept it, then you have to either change it or move it, move away. And if you can't move away, then you have to change it. But there's no point holding yourself in this awful position where you're, yeah. It's a great book. I, I need to read it again. It's been a while. Yeah. I've got a couple of books like that. I'm, I'm, I'm rereading them. because. What are just... you reading at the moment? So at the moment I've got um, The Miracle Morning, which I'm a couple of chapters in. I've also nice. just about finished Marcus Sheridan's They Ask You Answer, which is about oh, website I... stuff. That's amazing. I want to listen to that. That's so good. 
I've, it's so Listen. good that I've listened to the Audible and now I'm going to buy the hard copy so I can put notes in it. I love that. Awesome. Yeah. I've started to listen to the Audible and have the book in front of me. So it's like a, it's like someone's reading to me. I'm very dyslexic, like painfully dyslexic. So uh, I know that um, So uh, if anyone sends me a long email, I'm like straight to like textavoice.com. <laughs> well, I'm starting to send writing. videos now. Instead of writing no. emails, I just send a video like, hey, man, blah, 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 send. Done. Because it's so much oh, easier. Amazing. And so much more personable. Yeah. And people yeah. more likely open it if it's like, hey, Mark, I made this video for you. you know? it, yeah. It's, it's, an un, unco- it's like be the uncommon denominator because mm. it'll make you stand out. Like I think about Seth, there's a particular amazing book called um, purple cow by Seth Godin's the he's a daddy of marketing and the purple cow is all about you know standing out like if you uh, blend into the crowd no one's gonna oh yeah you know, no one, you, you yeah so I love that that's amazing doing those videos um how long was it before when you when you started painting till you sold your first painting because I know you don't do it I know you don't do it for the money because it's so it's you do it tomorrow if you didn't get paid for it. But oh, absolutely. Just on a business kind of kind of question. How yeah. long after? I would say so actually the probably eight months in. Um people were I mean, to be fair, people were asking before then. It's just that I didn't I didn't even think that was a like you put it in my mind, like I didn't think at this point that A, I didn't think I was an artist and B, I didn't think you could make money from art. So I just thought people were being ridiculous <laughs> asking to buy stuff. I was like, what? why would you want to? And you know what that, you know what the thing is about that first painting? Uh, someone bought it for a thousand dollars and then they resold it for eight thousand dollars. Oh. They were made you, seven were you, seven were you, were you dirty? No, I was super happy. Like oh. I was like, wow. Because I realized that people can invest in my work and that they're actually making a solid investment for themselves. Yeah. I'm like, I get to benefit, they get to benefit, you know, and then obviously my business goes on to do massive projects that are like mm. public, uh, public projects, you know, so stuff for museums and galleries is, it's like a big horse head thing. You can't really see it very well, but well, um, I can see it. this is a massive painting. This is going in the San Diego natural history museum. So we get to like, I'm like, we can make a system where every single level of people in, uh, a benefit that's two thumbs up and the the most expensive painting you've sold um today uh twenty two thousand dollars and i'm like but how many hours wow. goes into that yeah oh a fair few fair few but yeah. you know then uh, scan it and make prints so oh and then you market the prints online yeah 90 percent of my business is uh, or not more than that i'd say 95 of my business is actually selling reprints because here's a beautiful thing about um, uh, making artwork is that you're making intellectual property. You can then print that IP on any number of products, Mm -hmm. clothing, homewares, um, you know, uh, so actually when I think about like the, the functionalities of being an artist and creating intellectual property that you can then create products from the, the possibilities are huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people are stuck in, you know, a service space industry, which obviously definitely needs to happen. But then, you know, that's me. You can't, you can't do, <laughs> you do a service once 
And they have, but could you do the service once and then sell that service to like 500 more yeah, people? I wish. Um, so, so actually, you know, my, my friend joked that it was like printing money. And I, I never really thought about it that way, but effectively in a, a strange way, when you're in a manufacturing position, that's kind of mm. what it is. And it also gets so, your, your art and then that reconnection with, with, with space, I guess, to people that can't go and splash out with $8,000 on a, on a 100%. Painting, you know? Like for me, I thought it was so important that everyone, any, any, whatever they could afford, there is something for them. If the, if it's like $5, you can buy a digital bundle that's for your computer and your phone. Or if it's $25, you know, you can get a calendar or, you know, and then, on a sliding scale until you get to original paintings. Like I only make eight paintings a year or nine mm. paintings since the commission. And every year I have like two or 300 people apply for just eight positions. So the majority of people mm. have to turn away. So um, there's only so much of my time anyway, that especially if I'm spending six months making one piece. Yeah. Um, but it's the fun we have along the way. And, and I just, uh, just in the process of ordering a te- telescope. So I'm going to be shooting space as well. Yay. I'm excited. <laughs> you, um, do you, have you got the ISS app on your phone? I do not. Oh, that you should definitely get it. I've, I've got it. And um, when they, when they're doing spacewalks and stuff, it'll send you a notification so that you can get on and watch the spacewalks live. And when, yeah, it, do you know it, when it passes over you, it'll give you a notification. So if it's nighttime, you can go out and it'll tell you where love to look. It. To, That's to see awesome. It. I just I had this moment, as we all do, you know, playing on our phones, sitting on the toilet, and like I was watching a rocket launch. I just thought, like, where I'm, I am in the dunny watching a rocket launch that's on the other side of the world. Mm. On my on my phone, what a world that we live in! This is insane. I know, <laughs> this is cool. I know. You know, my parents like it's it's amazing. I mean, was that one of Elon's SpaceX rockets? It was, off? yeah. But I mean, there's lots of lots of different uh, rocket companies launching now as well. But they are the the number one. Mm. Well, did he say that he's going to see people on Mars before he dies, or he or he won't? I think. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, he will. It will. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's a you lofty did some goal, him, didn't you? I did. Yeah, it was cool. So uh, I did the hot. Day. I um, painted for SpaceX and done a few personal commissions as well for um, Elon and, and, and Gwen. So yeah. Wow. Is that was, the, uh, is that the highlight of your career so far? Um, It's funny because there are so there are there are quite a few different different moments. Um, that was that was a very cool one, um, mm. for sure. I think uh, every time I run a, a Kickstarter project, was a massive highlight for me right now. The thing that I'm proudest of is the fact that you know, I now support eight families. I've got a team of eight people that work full time with me, mm. um, and that is just that just blows my mind. It, uh, there was this moment. Actually, the, one of the most defining moments. Um, uh, so I'd run the first Kickstarter and I realized all of a sudden that now I've got a full-time job. By the way, like Kickstarter is like a GoFundMe, but you get something yeah. in return. Yeah. So we'd done the project. I was expecting to make $4,000 and we made seventy, And I was like, wow. Okay, so this is my full-time job now. I got, got the memo. <laughs> Shit. You're now um, employed. And now I was like, what do I do? Like, 
I, I don't know what an artist does. I don't even know any artists. So mm. I, I did what any sane person does. I went to YouTube and typed in, what do artists do all day? <laughs> and um, funnily enough, there's a documentary series called What Do Artists Do All Day? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and there was a, a woman on there called Tracy M and she's one of the YBAs or the Young British Artists. She's a very, very, very prolific woman in um, like contemporary art. And um, she had this moment in like, they do a different artist every series or every episode or whatever. And she had this moment where she like looked down the barrel of the camera and said, um, it just blew me away. She said, if people just think that all artists do is just paint all day and you would be so wrong. Here I am standing in front of my East London studios and it is five floors. I've got one floor for legal and accounting, one floor for running events and overseas galleries. I've got one floor for digital reproductions and painting storage. I've got one floor that's shipping and logistics. And then I have my studio. Mm. And I just had this, my brain like exploded. I was like, it's like so mind blown. <laughs> Cause then I realized actually it's not, it's not a job like people, it's not a job that, um, it's not a worthless thing is you don't have to be a starving artist or, you know, bum cigarettes from people. Cause that's all what I thought artists did. <laughs> Stand <laughs> you know, outside the pub. Right. Scab a, a fag off you, mate. Um, no. So that you don't have to, you know, that doesn't have to be a thing. It, it can be, you can take it as seriously as you want to be. Yeah. And actually the people that do are the ones that become, you know, relatively successful and, and especially if you're in, uh, and hopefully this is true of all artists, right? Every artist should have some sort of mission or ethos and reason why they're making the work. I mean, some people just because it's pretty and they want people to be happy and have pretty things in their house. And that's just as valid as anything else. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to, to put some proper structure and business around it means that you can, you know, you can reach more people and you can hopefully change more lives. That's so, to be honest, like, all the money in the world does not matter to me. I, I actually honestly do not care. I just want to, I want to just touch, I want to connect people as many people as to space as possible. Yeah. Like I was saying, if you, if you didn't get paid for it, you'd still be doing it tomorrow. You know, I one million that's, percent. That's, that's how you find your purpose. Well, um, just quickly before we go, I've got one question with the, with the, with the advent of VR now, do you yeah. see, see yourself being able to like, I'm at home. I can come home, put my VR set on, and then I'm actually in one of your paintings of the cosmos and being able to move through that in 3D. Is that something you're looking at in the future? Well, it's funny you should say that because that's exactly what we are working on. Oh, really? Because <laughs> yeah, I've, got, I've, got, I've got PS4 VR and I love it. Like I jump in. Yeah. And I, it takes me about 15 minutes for my brain to realise this is now your new reality. You are. Right. You know. Yeah, I love it. The VR games are so amazing. We, we, uh, yeah, my brother, so I'm from the games industry. My brother makes games. He actually specializes in VR. Oh, He's, really? Cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, it was only natural for me that I'm going to be basically making a VR planetarium show. Um, and it sounds a bit dull when I say it like that, but you know, Laser Quest. Like laser tag when you run. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. You yeah. run around and you shoot each other. Well, they do that now, and they've got places in Australia, um, in Sydney yeah, and Brisbane, VR ones, with VR yeah. heads. So it's yep. with a backpack. So you know, there is my plan is to create an experience very similar to that, probably less guns. I'll be honest, 
Mm. But you know that you can have a, a group of you walk around and be on the surface of the moon and watch the earth rise. And the, then all of a sudden the floor disappears and you're floating in a nebula and, and have these really crazy experiences, like visceral experiences of being out mm. in the cosmos. And for me, I, I don't necessarily want to do this as some sort of cheap graphics. I really want to be super, super cinematic with it. Yeah. Um, and that's my background any is anyways, like high end um, and digital graphics. So that's what we're on to next. Wow. We when's, when's all that stuff starting next year? Um, uh, to run that project, it's going to, it's, it's in a realistic budget for something like that. It's going to be somewhere between three and $5 million. So got a little bit of fundraising to do first, but that's, so is that a Kickstarter again? Will it be a Kickstarter? No, no. So that'll be funded from our chandelier that we're building. We're building an eight meter diameter chandelier um, of the Milky Way galaxy. Um, Holy shit. Uh, printed in um, 3D. So a crystal clear 3D resin yeah. suspend, suspended from fiber optics, uh, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of fiber optic cables. Um, yeah, and eight meters. So I think, I think the average height of a house is five and a half meters. So yeah, that's just roughly. for like, for a two for a two story. So that, that's that's the sort of what you gotta think about how big it is. It's gonna be monstrous. And we're using real data from the European Space Agency. Um, so is so that finished or is that in progress now? That, that's in progress now. When's when are you looking so, at that to be finished? I would say that it's a year and a half. Oh why? Uh, yeah. Um, so the prints that we are making today fund the chandelier. Mm-hmm. The chandelier we're building two. One we'll donate to a, a museum and then one we'll sell. Um, and then the, the one that we sell will fund the VR experience. Wow. Because I so, love Star Wars, obviously. Yeah, so I love it. going for the VR experience. Yeah, well, I actually went to the VR Star Wars experience when I was over in, um, oh, shut up. in the US. <laughs> It was pretty, it's pretty all right. <laughs> I'll be honest. It was good. There's a bit where you have to like walk over some lava and they've got like heat, like heat lamps. Oh, really? So you can like feel it. It's actually so, so good. And you've obviously got these big, you know, you wow. put the big helmets on. It's and- like every time I go to the gym, I'm on a treadmill and I'm like, this would be so much better if I had a VR headset on and I'm doing like a hike or a walk. In, oh man, that would be in, so amazing. In like, because on my on my PS4, you can do like the Everest experience where you're actually climbing huh. up Everest, but you're not on a treadmill, you know. So you're just kind of standing there watching. Um, yeah, but I'm sure but we'll that would see be it. amazing. It won't be far yeah. away, you know. Well, yeah, thank you so sure. much for your time. It's thank you for having really me. Really good, really good connecting. Um, if people want to get uh, uh, in touch with you or see your art or or anything like that, where can they go? Um, yeah, so if you go to Catherine uh, Machen, it's spelled C-A-T-H-R-I-N, Machen's like machine without the E on the end. So um, yeah, if you just, if you type it into Google, everything appears, but yeah, I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and and YouTube, all, all of them. So uh, yeah, same, uh, same handle for everything. Yeah, and I'll, I'll put that in the show notes for everyone so they can nice. uh, see your stuff. So cool. Thanks for being on. We'll talk to you later. Thank you so much. See ya.